Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, visit VintageChurchNola.com. Here is this week's message. Hey everyone, my name is Megan Plisky, and um, today I'm going to join you all in lighting this um, Advent candle that symbolizes joy. I'm a righty. All right, now we're going to read some scripture. It's um, going to be out of Matthew 2, so 1 through 12. So now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now will you all join me in this prayer? It'll be up on the screen. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, ever faithful to your promises and ever close to your church, the earth rejoices in hope of the Savior's coming and looks forward with longing to his return at the end of time. Prepare our hearts and remove the sadness that hinders us from feeling the joy and hope that his presence will bestow. For he is Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much, Megan. Appreciate that. Can we give it a fire worship band this morning? That was awesome. Um, Welcome to Vintage Church again. My name is Pastor John McCann. If I had not had an opportunity to meet you, I'm so, oh, I got some whistles. Okay, that's different. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. Um, this morning, I'm excited. We're continuing our Advent series, and we're going to be coming from a very popular book of the Bible. I know all of you pray and meditate over this book every day. It is Zephaniah. Yeah, it's in there. 
Um, so uh, if you, turn to Zephaniah. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. Our Connect team's coming down. Um, we'll place this in your hand. We believe that there's nothing better that you can do than, t- than to take God's word home, read it, and let it transform your life. So we have a couple of hands over here. I'm so glad that you all are with us. We're going to be coming out of Zephaniah chapter 3. It's the fourth book to the end of the Old Testament. Zephaniah. How many people like that book? How many people never heard of that book? <laughs> It's a short book, but um, I'm excited to preach it this morning. Um, So just before we get started, who's excited about Christmas? All right, that was a a little mix, a little mixture. So uh, I guess the people who are excited, I will assume they probably have everything organized, everything together, and those people who didn't scream is probably like, I'm excited for it to be over. Like, you have to get all these different things. So um, in preparing for Christmas, there's a couple things you have to make sure you have in in order. Um, One is you have to have your Christmas gifts. Does everybody, who still has Christmas shopping to do? By a show of hands. Ooh, you got to take advantage of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Um, so I usually am shopping at the last minute as well. So you got to get your Christmas gifts together. Um, if you're in New Orleans, you might want to go to Walmart, um, to get your Christmas gifts because Mrs. Benson paid for everybody's stuff. So I know you saw that on the news this past week. So make sure you get your, your Christmas gifts together. And then also another thing that you have to do in preparing for Christmas, and this is a big one. This is a big one. You have to make sure you have your Christmas tree up. So I'm not going to ask who still hasn't done it yet. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I will ask this very important question. How many people in here have fake Christmas trees by a show of hands? All right, we're praying for all of you all. (laughs) I love me a real Christmas tree. So you got to get your Christmas tree just to smell and the odor to get everything together. And then also you want to make sure if you're in New Orleans for Christmas, this is very important. In case you don't know, maybe you, you might have relocated here. Christmas is not Christmas without some gumbo. So make sure you get some gumbo. Make sure you're taking notes. I'm trying to make sure I set you all up for a good Christmas. And then the last thing that you need, and if you don't know how to make gumbo, you can buy some. Um, or you can come to my house. I don't cook it either, but I buy it as well. So you can come have some of my gumbo. Um, but uh, the last thing that you need uh, for a good Christmas is some good Christmas music, right? And uh, some people, they start listening to Christmas music um, November 1st. Um, you have nine days left. All right, so all those people that love your Christmas music, you have nine days left. And in thinking about wonderful Christmas songs, I wanted to go over a couple ones that really put me in the spirit. The band won't let me sing with them. So I'm going to take full advantage of this moment, and we're going to do a couple tunes. So I'm going to need your help, all right? Y'all don't leave me hanging. So this is, a, this is a good one here. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow. Yes! Beautiful. We, we can't really sing that in New Orleans, though. It, it doesn't snow here. But um, that's a good one. And you, gotta, you, know, you have to throw a little Frank Sinatra in there. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. All right. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. Y'all sound good. And then, and then you can't have Christmas without this song. It's a song. It's been around since the 1700s. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth. Higher, higher, higher. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> so joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. 
we kicked off this Advent series. Pastor Dustin had, uh, he kicked it off with a powerful sermon about hope, the hope that we have in Jesus. Last week, my brother from another mother, Pastor Matthew Weaver. Let's give it up for Pastor Matthew Weaver. He's, he's, he's my brother from another mother and another father. I know y'all thought we looked alike. Um, but <laughs> he did an awesome job on preaching on peace. And today I had the opportunity to preach on this text um, about joy, about joy. And even as we think about this song, joy to the world, the Lord is come. And if we think about this, we have to ask ourselves this morning, where do we look to for joy? Where do we look to for joy? We look to Jesus. Amen. Yeah, talk back to me. I'm going to keep it hype. We're going to keep it lit this morning. Jesus. We look to Jesus. Um, but this song, it says, joy to the world, the Lord is come. And to, the reality is, when it comes to joy, yes, we should look to Jesus. But if we're 100% honest, some of us like th- this song to be, joy to the world, a bonus check has come. <laughs> joy to the world, promotion has come. Joy to the world, my boo has come. Joy to the world, my kids are perfect. Joy to the world, my spouse is perfect. Joy to the world, everything is perfect in my life. But the reality is, if you're looking for joy in anything this world has to offer besides Jesus Christ, it is not going to be complete joy. And I want us to focus in on this idea that ultimate joy is found in Jesus. Ultimate joy is found in Jesus. Think about all the stuff we do for Christmas time, trying to buy this, trying to get this together, trying to, trying to make sure everything's together so that we can have and experience some type of joy. But I want us to lean into this truth that we're going to see in the text this morning, that ultimate joy is found in Jesus. So I want us to look at this question, how can we experience ultimate joy in Jesus? So we're looking at Zephaniah, your favorite book of the Bible, and we're going to be starting at verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 14, 14 through 15. And what's going on, just a little context. So Zephaniah is a minor prophet, and he writes this book to Judah, and he lets them know, hey, you guys have been disobeying God. You haven't been following the laws. You're getting ready to go into captivity. But after captivity, there's going to be joy. After you go through the pain, there's going to be joy. And that's kind of the context to set this up. This is written several decades before they go into captivity. And as we look at this text, this text is written, and it's written to people that are going to be in a broken state. It's it's written to people who are going to be despair. It's written to people who are going to have all this pressure and all these things going on in their life that's not lining up, that's not clicking for them. And in the midst of this, we see a text written to them about joy. And for some of us this morning, if we're honest, if we're honest, we fall into the trap of looking for joy everywhere else. Looking for joy in people. Looking for joy in things. Looking for joy in all these things around us, but instead of looking for joy in Jesus. So as we look at this text, let's begin reading at verse 14. It says, sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. 
So as we look at this question, how can we experience ultimate joy in Jesus, the first thing that we can see right here in these few verses that I want to encourage you with is to recognize joy. To recognize it. He, he's letting the people of Judah know that, hey, sing aloud, shout, because there is joy that is there. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. We have to recognize joy, y'all. In order to experience it, you have to recognize it. You have to see it. And he's telling them, hey, I want you to see this, that the Lord is taking these things away from you. And in this text, we can recognize joy because we see Jesus as a forgiving judge. Jesus is a forgiving judge. We see that in this text. And we see that he has taken away the judgments against them. And, and as I think about this, as I think about joy, in order to recognize joy, you have to know how it looks. You have to know how it looks. Uh, uh, it's hard to recognize something when you don't remember how it looks. And he's telling them to remember how this looks. Remember what God is doing. For you and I, we have to remember and recognize what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. We have to recognize that he's given us the greatest gift we could ever have when his son came and he died for us. And that's the good news of the gospel that he came, he died for you and I, despite our sin, despite our brokenness, because he wanted to blend and, and, and close this gap between humanity and God. And we were sinful and he was righteous. And the only way to do it was to provide Jesus Christ to live and to die and to conquer sin, death, and hell for you and I. And he did that for us. And we have to recognize that. We can't become so common with that because if we become so common with that and we don't remember that, it's going to be hard to recognize it. It's going to be hard to recognize it. So we're, we're, we're in this Christmas season, which is exciting um, for a lot of reasons. One reason I'm excited during this Christmas season is we don't have to worry about festivals. I know some of y'all are probably sad. Um, just so you know, New Orleans, we have over 130 festivals per year. How many people like going to festivals? Yes, I know, because y'all don't come here when the festivals are in town. <laughs> Just kidding. Love y'all. We need a Jesus festival. Um, but, <laughs> but as I think about these festivals, I was thinking about what my top three favorite festivals are. Um, one of them is Essence Festival. And, and I shared that with you all this past year that, that I preached on a Sunday that Janet Jackson was in town. And I was like, I didn't get the chance to see the King of Pop. So I just, I was hoping that I would get a ticket to go to Essence Fest so I could see Janet Jackson in person. And at the last minute, somebody came through with two free tickets and I got to go see Janet Jackson. And I was so excited I didn't pay for those tickets. Um, <laughs> I love Janet, but she needs to, she needs to have a seat. Um, but, but, but. But, you know, I, I enjoy Essence Fest, uh, and then and I think about my second favorite festival, um, which is a jazz fest. Anybody like jazz fest in the room? A couple people. It's an awesome festival, so much food. I, I have to fast before jazz fest comes along so I can just consume all of that crawfish pasta and the crawfish bread and all that stuff. And then my third favorite festival is French Quarter Festival. French Quarter Festival, and I see some of y'all out there. And as I go to all these festivals, uh, a problem that I often run into is that people that I don't recognize come up and they run up to me and they're like, hey, how you doing? I don't know if that ever has ever happened to anybody before. They're like, hey, it's good to see you. And you have to think, like you're looking at them like, I don't really know this person, but I don't want to offend them. So you'd be like, um, hey, how are you? Good to see you. And then they'll be like, how's the wife and the kids? And I'll be like, oh, you have the wrong person. Um, 
They're like, wait, I thought you knew me. And I was like, no, I thought you knew me. And then it just turns into a really awkward situation. Um, but if, if I haven't seen them in a while, then I won't recognize them. And sometimes I run into people that I actually do know, but I haven't seen them in a long time, so I don't recognize them. So I'm not even looking for them. And as it relates to this gift of joy that we have to recognize, if we're looking for it, if, if we know that it's there, if we're aware about this gift of joy that's found in Jesus Christ, and we can remember that, then it becomes easier to recognize it. And for some of us during this Christmas season, it, we're not recognizing it because we're not remembering it. But it's there. The gift of salvation is there. And it's knocking on your door, and it's always there, and it's not going anywhere. And it's up to you to say, hey, 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 I see you. I recognize you. We have to recognize joy. As we continue reading, we're gonna, let's look at verses 16 through 18. It says, on that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. So not only do we have to recognize joy, but we also in this text, we have to receive joy. We have to receive it. And in this text, we see Zephaniah, he's speaking to Judah, and he's letting the people of Judah know. He was like, hey, on that day, you're going to have to see this thing that I'm trying to give you. And he starts off and he says, fear not, O Zion. Because the reality is it's hard for a lot of us to receive joy from Christ is because we're trying to hold on to this joy in these other places that we think will fulfill us. We're trying to say, no, I can't, I can't let go of this and receive joy over here because I, my joy is in, in my grades. My joy is in my family being perfect. My joy is in my salary. My joy is in my retirement. My joy is in this and my joy is in that. And it's hard for us sometimes to let go of that and to embrace the, and receive the gift of joy that God has for us. But we have to fear not because fear will paralyze you. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will make you weak. What does it say in this text? It says, let not your hands grow weak. Your hands, and also it alludes to your heart as well. Let not your hands and your heart grow weak. And we see this, and as we think about receiving joy, we can receive joy because Jesus in this text, we can see that Yahweh is a savior and a warrior. Jesus is a savior and a warrior. Why can't, why can't we receive joy? Because we're seeing right here in this text that Jesus arrives as a savior and a warrior. And, and he's not just here, but he is here and he has something for you. The text says that he is here and it says that he is a mighty one who will save. He doesn't just show up. He shows up to save. He shows up to save us. And we have to be able to receive that because guess what? Just because a gift is offered doesn't mean it's going to be received. Just because someone has a gift, just because Jesus says, I have this gift for you, it doesn't mean that we're going to receive it. The gift could be standing right there, but we have to say, yes, I received that gift. And as I think about this and I think about just a gift being offered and people having to say, yes, this past year I, I was able to experience uh, several engagements. So people, and you know, the lady doesn't have to say yes. <laughs> you know, the guy, he gets, you know, he gets the ring. Then he's happy and he plans it out and he proposes. And, and my mom told me, she said, back in the day, it was real simple, right? 
You just, you just on, a, on a date, just the two of you, after dessert, you get down, you propose. Nowadays, it's a production. You have to get the, the family in town. You have to get a videographer. You have to get the photographer. You have to get all these things in line to do this proposal, all for the uh, potential of a yes. Potentially get a yes. My brother uh, and my future sister-in-law sitting right here, he proposed to his girlfriend. He planned it all out. He got on Craigslist and got a, a photographer in Paris um, at the Eiffel Tower. All these things to propose to her just for her to tell him yes. <laughs> Show that ring, Janae. Bling, bling. <laughs> and she said yes, but she didn't have to say yes. And the gift that God has for us, we can receive it if we say yes. If we say yes, we can receive it. I was sharing with some people, I found this out the other day. Well, yesterday, actually, there are people, there's like a guy and a girl, and what they do is they go around in big public places where there's a lot of people. And, and they, they get, the guy makes a big announcement. Can I have everybody's attention, please? Have everybody's attention. And, and he, he does this big speech. You are the love of my life. When I look into your eyes, I see butterflies. Just there's this, all this stuff. So everybody around is like, oh, my God, he's proposing. They have the cameras out, their video, they're, they're, they're recording it, they're doing all this stuff. They're crying, and, and, and he gets finished proposing. Will you marry me? Everybody's looking. Everybody's leaning. And she's like, no. <laughs> and they go all over the country doing this. It's like an act that they do. So don't be fooled. Um, but, but, but I said that to say that they don't have to say yes, and for us, and even for the people of Judah, this gift that, that Zephaniah is speaking about, this gift that we can receive as Jesus is our Savior and, and, war, and, and warrior, and this gift of joy that we can receive, it's up to us to say, yes, I'll receive it. And, and I love, if you look at verse 17, and a lot of people, a lot of scholars say, like, this is really the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Look at this text. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. This is so powerful, this text, because it speaks to this joy, that this joy is not just one-sided. This text says that the Lord will rejoice over you with gladness. It's, it's one thing for a gift to be given, and, and, and a, a good person who, who gives a good gift, they're just as excited as the person receiving the gift. How awesome is it that the God in heaven, the God, the creator of the universe, gets all this joy, and he rejoices with us when we receive this gift of salvation? Isn't that amazing? We are sinful, broken people. None of us have lived a sinless life. And yet this God, the creator of the universe, rejoices when we receive this gift of salvation. It's crazy. It's about his grace. His grace extends to us. And we have to ask ourselves, will we receive the joy? We're excited about this Wednesday because uh, ben Watson's going to be sharing, and you might have saw this past week. I, I said earlier that Mrs. Benson, you know, paid for everybody's stuff that was at Walmart. Well, uh, Ben Watson, he did the same thing. He took people on shopping sprees. So like I said, if you haven't gotten your Christmas gifts yet, go to Wally World. Um, <laughs> Wally World is another name for Walmart. Look it up on YouTube. Um, wait, don't look it up on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but, but Ben, he goes and he brings these people shopping and, and getting different things. And as they're shopping on this shopping spree, 
Whatever they see that they want to put in the basket, they could put it in the basket because he's already paid for it. He's already given his credit card. He's already said that the bill is covered. As we think about this gift that we have from Christ, as we think about this amazing gift that we have, we don't have to pay for it because it's already been paid for. And the crazy thing is people spend so much money trying to find joy in the world, so much money on trying to get the clothes, trying to get the person, trying to get the house, trying to get the job, spending all this money, using all this energy so that they can have some joy and this void that they feel on the inside of them can be filled. But the joy that can fill it, you can't pay for it. It's already been paid for by Jesus Christ. Can we thank God for that? And what we have to do is receive it. It's right in front of us. How crazy would it be for the people at Walmart to know that everything is paid for and to walk down the aisles with a basket and put nothing in it when everything's been paid for? And the gift of salvation has been paid for by Jesus Christ. And we believe that God created everything. Everything was good. There was peace, but then sin entered the world. But God didn't leave us there. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that he is the son of God. That he did conquer sin, death, and hell for you and I. And we repent from our sins. We shall be saved. And we can receive this joy that has already been paid for. We can receive this joy. So as we think about this, we have to recognize that there's joy. We have to receive the joy. And then let's look as we close out these last couple of verses, Zephaniah. 3 verses 19 through 20. It says, Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcasts, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. So what's the last thing that we have to do to experience this ultimate joy? That we can see in this text, we need to reflect joy. We recognize joy, we receive joy, and we reflect joy. The thing that I love about this text, and it begins in verse 18 and goes all the way through the end, is that the, 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 the language kind of shifts from Zephaniah speaking to God speaking. We see him saying, I will deal, I will save, I will change, I will bring you, I will make you, I will restore. All these things that God is saying that he would do for us because this gift that we're receiving about joy is not based upon anything that we can do. It's based upon what he has already done. There's nothing that we can do. He's saying that he's going to do all these things. And as he does all these things, he's going to reflect his glory and he's going to reflect his joy through the children of Israel. And that same joy and that same salvation that we can experience, he wants to reflect through us as well. He wants to reflect joy. And we, and we see this, and he's speaking to, to the people of Judah, and he's saying that, that, that I'm going to change their shame into praise because they were the holy people. They were chosen, and then they get put, brought into captivity, so their, their name is, is dragged through the dirt, and people are looking at them kind of sideways, and God is saying that I am going to restore that. I, my grace is sufficient. I am going to make all things new. And we see here he closes this book with the promise of restoration. Because God is a restorer. God is a restorer. He's restored us back into right standing with God. 
He restores our hearts. There's nothing too hard that God cannot restore. Do you know that God of the universe causes the earth to spin around so fast? It was, it was 90 something mile, uh, thousand, 93 million plus miles away from the sun. All these things that are going on. And as we think about this, this God has enough power to restore us. He has enough power to restore us. And he has power and he promises to restore the people here. So as we look at this promise of restoration, as we think about joy this Christmas season, as we think about recognizing this joy, receiving this joy, and then reflecting this joy, I want to encourage you in a couple ways on how we should respond if you're taking notes. The first thing we must do and we should do is to look to Jesus for the ultimate joy. Stop looking everywhere else for joy because nothing else can fill you with the joy that Christ has for you. The joy that we get from Christ, the world didn't give it to us and the world can't take it away. No matter what comes, this joy that I'm talking about, I experienced this joy. If my joy was based upon my circumstances, I would be one depressed camper. I would. The TV dinners I eat every day are not good. <laughs> But I don't look to the things around me for my joy. I look above for my joy. And I, and I have this ultimate joy. People might look at me and be like, well, you don't have a big house. You don't have this. I don't need that. And I'm not saying nothing is wrong with that. But what I'm saying is I don't depend on the world to give me my joy because the ultimate joy is found in Jesus Christ. I know people that have cars. They have money. They have all these great achievements, but they don't have joy. Look to Jesus for ultimate joy this season. Only Jesus can give us that joy. Don't forget that. Also, I want to encourage you to worship Jesus for the joy that's been given. Worship him. As we, as we go, as we're in this Christmas season, this Advent season, worship Jesus. Worship him. Don't get so busy going through all the motions of Christmas that we forget that it's all about him. We're remembering his birth. Worship Jesus. And the last way I want to encourage you is to joyfully await his return. Joyfully await his return. As we're in this Advent, as we're celebrating that he's come, we're anticipating his, his return. Joyfully await his return. Joyfully await it. And as I shared earlier, as I get ready to close, as you're getting everything together for Christmas, and you're getting your gumbo together, um, or you're coming to my house and eating my gumbo that I bought, um, as, as, you're, as you're doing this and as you're getting the food together, I, I want you to not to take the food for granted because to be 100% honest, there are people all around us that, that, that don't have food. There are people that have a, a lot of different poverty and brokenness all over this world, even here in the United States, even here in New Orleans. And, and as I think about food, there, there's been times in, 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 in our history, times in uh, the world's history where people were starving to death. Even in the past century, the, the, the China's famine of 1959 was a big famine where upwards of 43 million people died within this past century. And the reason why I show you this story with you as I close is because in China, when they had this great famine, 40-something million people died. Do you know what was going on? What was going on was they had this mud, you can go and research it, that they were able to take this mud and they were able to bake bread out of this mud. So what they were doing is they were taking this mud and they were using it to, to bake some bread and they were eating the bread. And once they got finished eating the bread, they were full 
But guess what? That bread had no nutritional value. So what, what ended up happening is millions of people, they were eating, that felt full, were dying from starvation. Because they were eating something that had no nutritional value. And as we think about joy, anything that we eat, anything that we consume, anything that we go to for joy that's not founded in Jesus Christ, it's a trick. It's a trick. The gifts is a trick. Thinking if you reach this success and you're going to have this joy, it's a trick. And so many people are being tricked. They're being tricked to think if they get this and they eat this, they're going to be full. But yeah, their stomach is full, but they have no nutritional value and they are starving to death. They're starving to death. Jesus, he gives us this joy that completes us. He gives us this joy that fulfills us. He gives us this joy that we can't find anywhere else in the world. But will we recognize this joy this Christmas season? Will we receive it? Will we recognize it? Will we remember it? Will we receive this joy? Will we, will we fight against the lie from the enemy that you need all this stuff and you need to receive all this? Will we fight against it and will we receive the joy that's found in Jesus Christ? And for those of us that recognize it and that receive it, will we reflect it? Will we reflect it? Because it's only that joy, it's only that joy that gives us life, that sustains us. It's only that joy. You can try everything else in the world, but the joy in Christ is the ultimate joy that we can experience as human beings. So I want to encourage you, a couple more days left before Christmas, don't feed into the hype that you're going to find joy anywhere else because the joy has already been given to us. So, so, so when things don't go the way you want it, when that family member doesn't show up, when you don't get the gift, when you can't afford the gifts that you want to give to people, don't let that throw you off course because you still have the joy of the Lord. And let his joy be your strength. Let his joy be your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So let's recognize that joy. Let's receive that joy. And as a church, and my prayer is that all of us, as we do that, we will also reflect this joy. Because this is the greatest thing that has been given to humanity. It's the greatest thing. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you, God, even as you spoke through Zephaniah to the people of Judah, dear Lord God, so long ago. I pray, dear Lord God, that you will uh, make that word come alive in our hearts today, God. I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice, God, if there's anybody in here, God, that's having a hard time recognizing that you are the ultimate source of joy, God, I pray that you allow them to remember what you've done for them on the cross. I pray, dear Lord God, if there's anybody that's, that's having a hard time receiving this gift of joy, God, I pray that today is a day that they will receive it and quit running and quit looking for joy everywhere else, God, and give you a shot. Give you a shot, God. And I thank you, God, that we will reflect your joy everywhere we go. We will reflect your joy at our works. We will reflect your joy in our families. We will reflect your joy in our neighborhoods. We will reflect your joy at the grocery store. Wherever we go, dear Lord God, let us reflect 
your joy. We thank you, God, that your joy is our strength. So no matter what battles we might be going through, no matter what battles we've had in the past, no matter what battles are ahead of us, God, let us remember the truth that the joy that we have from you, nothing in this world gave it to us, and nothing in this world can take it away. We love you. We praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.